0: Now, all of us have kids, and I'm sure at some point or another, your kids have said something, and you were like, oh, maybe when they were little, maybe you got a a cousin or some friends at school, or they come back, and they say some things out in front of their grandparents or something, and you're like, where did that come from? Jesus said last week that there were some things that we should not say. Remember, we talked about the woman who was at the well, and Jesus talked to his disciples, And what did he tell them they shouldn't say? Jesus told his disciples, they walked into this town in this Samaritan village. They had these racial differences between them. There were some prejudices between each other. And they walked into this town, and in essence, they said in their hearts, they said in their hearts, they saw Jesus talking to this woman, and they're like, wonder why he's talking to her, and why would she want to talk to him? In essence, they said in their heart that it wasn't time for a harvest. And when Jesus talks about harvest, he wasn't talking about corn or wheat. He's talking about people coming into a relationship with God and a personal relationship in which he guides their lives and directs them. And so Jesus said to them, as Jesus is talking to them, he says, don't say it's not time. He says, in fact, lift up your eyes and look into the fields for they're white unto harvest. And as Jesus says that, In the background, he's standing at a well, and in the background, here comes this Samaritan woman who Jesus had told her all things. He told her about her life, and he had never met her before. He told her what was happening in her life and what was going on, because Jesus has a way of knowing what's going on in our lives. And he spoke to her, and this woman was amazed, and she went and told her friends, I met a man who told me all things, and they come back, and when Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look into the field for they're white unto harvest, the disciples Behind them comes this Samaritan woman. There again, remember the story about her. She was kind of a woman of a questionable reputation. And so the disciples would have said, well, Jesus doesn't want to talk to her. But Jesus loves people of questionable reputations. He's crazy about people who've made mistakes and he's passionate about them. And Jesus says, I want you to lift up your eyes and look into the field. And right behind them as they turned around, here came this woman with the whole crowd of friends and family members And people who knew her, they came because of what she had to say about Jesus. But when they come and they say to Jesus, they hear Jesus' story, and this is what they said. They said, we no longer believe just because of what she said. Now we've heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. These Samaritan people who were supposed to be like really far away from God, had an understanding of who God was and they said he's the savior of the world often way before many of the religious people had that understanding. So we're not supposed to say it's not time for the harvest. We can't say that this isn't the right place because this is the right place. This is the right time. God has a plan to bring people into relationship with him in this region and you're a part of his eternal plan. Now this week, we're going to look at some other scriptures and we're going to find out some other stuff we shouldn't say. I'm not going to do it because we would all get embarrassed, but I bet you I could go around a room and say, what are you not supposed to say in church? And you guys could come up with all kinds of things that we're not supposed to say, right? We can think of a lot of things that maybe, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this, just as a body, though one, has many parts... But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, there's something that I want you to take from this scripture that the scripture teaches us that we can't say. Okay? In other words, it says, don't say that because it's not right. Don't say that because it's not appropriate. It's not appropriate to say, if I don't get my way, I will no longer be a part. Okay? It's not appropriate. To say, if I don't get my way, then I won't be a part. Remember the saying as a child, that someone's gonna take their ball and do what? I'm gonna take my ball, Tobin knows it. Hey, if you don't wanna play, hey, it's my ball. I'm going home. How many of you remember that as a kid, someone in your neighborhood at some point didn't get their way and they took their bat and you're like, hey man, we can't play without the bat. Hey, if we don't change the rules, I'm taking my bat and going home. What is that? When you're a kid, it shows that you're kind of immature and selfish. I think it kind of shows some of the same thing right now if we really look at that. I want you to understand this truth that you and I are not here by chance and I'm gonna take it a step further. I wanna take, and so this, you may disagree with this, but I wanna say you're not here by chance and you're not even here by choice, but God has a bigger plan at work. A lot of the things in life that we think we chose it's amazing how God has directed our steps. A lot of the choices that we think we made, as we look back, we can see how God was guiding us or directing our steps. You see, God has a big plan for us. And according to the scripture, you and I are placed in the body of Christ by God's design. It's his body. He's the creator. He's the designer. And by his will, he places us where he predetermines we should be. By his wisdom, he places us where our gifts and talents are needed. It's amazing. When you think of the human body and you think that from two cells, that from that in less than nine months, you have eyes that are developed that can see and eardrums and drainage for your ears, saliva glands in your mouth and that whenever you eat, it moistens your food, nerves that go from your brain to the furthest extension of your toe that it tells it what to do, that you have elbows and knees and joints that function and muscles and tendons that are connected. It's amazing that in nine months from two small cells that a human being is formed. It's crazy. It can't be just chance. If you think it's chance, this is what I want to say to you. I want to encourage you to find a Home Depot. And how many times would it take for you to build a bomb and blow up a Home Depot until your house was built? Our house has like a plum color in the dining room. The living room has a kind of like a a rojo red is what it was called when we painted it. Like a burgundy color in there. You know, there's accent walls in the bathroom that are brown. Logan's bathroom is green and all these different things. How many times would I have to blow up Home Depot? Before my house was set in place with the doors where they are, the windows where they are, with the shades on there as they are, how many times would they have to blow Home Depot up, you know, for it to create that? Well, you could blow Home Depot up a million times, a billion times, and it would never create that. But God has a way of when two cells come together, again and again, he creates a human being. It's amazing. In the same way as a human being is designed, the body of Christ is designed. And it's not just by chance, it's by God's divine design. By his wisdom, he places us where we best fit, where we can develop and grow and mature. Remember the title of the old TV show, Father Knows Best? If you're older, you remember that. The kids will be like, what? I told them in the first service, remember like Ward and Beaver? What? What? They're like, no, it's the wrong show. I was like, I was just catching you because Ward and Beaver wasn't on Father Knows Best. That was leave it to Beaver. Some of you, I kind of caught you there. Father Knows Best, That was the title of a show and that's the reality of life. The heavenly father knows best because he created and designed us and placed us. Now notice what the scripture says. The Bible says that the foot cannot say because I'm not the hand, I don't belong. The ear cannot say because I'm not the eye, I don't belong. Well, I would understand that. It would seem that the hand is a more prominent position than the foot. Nobody sees the foot. It's stuffed in a shoe. It's walked on all day. It has a reputation of being stinky. And some of you may say, well, that's kind of what I feel I am. I feel like I'm pushing a shoe. People walk on me all day. I have a reputation of being kind of having a stinky attitude. The hand gets all the good assignments. Have you ever seen anybody stretch out their foot and shake their foot? Here's the thing. The feet, that's not like a cool position. Nobody wants to be the feet, the hand and the foot. Then it says the eye and the ear. The eye always gets recognized and talked about. When I met Lori, the thing that struck me about her was her beautiful blue eyes. If you've ever saw Lori, her beautiful blue eyes. She has very nice blue eyes, dark hair and blue eyes. That's what stood out to me. I got to be honest with you. I didn't pay any attention to her ears. When I told people about her, I didn't say she's got really neat ears. Well, what does she look like? She's got dark hair and really blue eyes. That's what I told them. And it was her blue eyes that was the first thing that attracted me. When you talk about ears, you never hear anybody talking about people's ears. The scripture teaches us that if we don't get our way, if we're not in the position where people recognize us, if we're not in the position, oh, what? pretty blue eyes you have. If we're not in that, oh, your ministry, your gifts are so nice. See, there's a lot of people in this world who are kind of like yours, and nobody mentions anything about how nice they are. And the only time they really notice you is if you mess up. The scripture teaches us this, if we don't get our way, if we don't get the position or the recognition that we feel we deserve, if we don't feel that our talent is being used to its potential, if we don't feel like we're very important or if we don't feel like we're needed, we don't have the option of saying, I'm not a part. That if God's created you and made you in a way in which you're easily overlooked, you don't have an option of saying, I'm not a part. In fact, according to the scripture, that option has to be taken off the table. You can't say, I don't want to be a part just because I'm overlooked. Look to the person next to you and say, you can't say that. But I feel that way. I like it when you say, that was really nice that you did that. Don't you? Don't you like to, you know, you work all day. Maybe you work all day and you do something, and the boss walks by and you're sweating like a dog. You know, you're tired. You've been working really hard. And the boss looks, you know, walks by and looks at you and doesn't say anything. And the guy who's been just sitting around, not doing anything, looking all pretty, looking all good, the boss is like, wow, appreciate you, man. What a great job you do. You're like, what? He's not doing anything. All he does is sit there. He never works. I never see him busy. I'm out here sweating, and if we're not careful, we can kind of resent that, that other people get the recognition, and that other people kind of get the fanfare. In the body of Christ, why can't I say, I'm just going to take my ball and go home? I'm not going to be a part, because the body of Christ is God's design. Jesus is the head, and we diverse parts individually and collectively make up the body of Christ. We receive life through connection with him and with others. It's the body of Christ that carries out Christ's work and his mission on the earth. It's the body of Christ that is the visible, tangible expression of Christ's presence to a world that is spiritually blind and cannot see him. The body of Christ consists of both the church universal and the local expression of Christ's body to a region, and that is the local church. And as imperfect as it may seem, it's his body. And he will, in the end, accomplish his mission through the church. So here's the reality. When people think about when Jesus ascended to the Father, Jesus is the head of the church. But the church is his body. And that's what people see. That's what carries out the mission of God in this world today. God works through you being his hand, you being his voice. God says, hey, there's some people in Reading City who need to have a ride to church and God uses you, you're his hands, you're the tire's. You're the expression. God said, there's people in this community who don't have a way to church. They need a ride and I want to get them there. And how does God do that? He says, I'm going to talk to some people in New Holland and they're going to be my expression of grace and love to those people because I want them to be there. So you and I are his body. There's something else that we can't say. In verse 21, it says, the I can't say to the hand. I don't need you. And the head can't say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God, listen to this, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. What does God do? God, other people may not honor it, but God gives greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. The body of Christ is just that. It's a living organism with Christ as its head made up of many different parts that are inter... Listen, they are interdependent upon one another. Each part carries out a particular function and all parts are needed. Members of the body cannot survive separate... From the body and its life-giving flow. You hear that? Members of the body cannot survive separate from the body and its life-giving flow. Whenever you lose parts of the body, what's it called? If a person loses their leg, what are they called? Amputation. And they would say the person is what? Amputee, yes. You guys are a little too smart for me. People who are missing parts of their body, they can't hear, they can't see. We would say they are... Disabled or handicapped. Now, here's the reality. When members of the body of Christ are missing, it hinders the body of Christ because God designed for you to be a part. He designed for you to be an active part. Some of you today have parts of your body that aren't working real well. There's things that are going on. But the design is that every part of your body be functioning and working as it should. And in the body of Christ, that's the way he designed us. And so we're saying that to say to you that you're incredibly valuable to God. You have incredible worth to God. Sometimes when we feel overlooked and unimportant, we may want to withdraw and say, I don't want to be a part. When someone else gets all the recognition and you overlook me, just as a human being, Sometimes it's kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to be a part. Can I say this to you? If you're going to be a part of any church, if you're going to be a part of the body of Christ, at some point you're going to be hurt. Okay? So let's get it out in the open. Someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to be a jerk. Because sometimes we're good at being jerks, right? It's kind of like being married. Anyone here been married for more than a week? Let me see your hand. Okay, I would say you know exactly where I'm coming from. Okay? <laughs> Because if you're married for more than a week, you realize that at some point along the way, there's going to be things that you say or do or don't say or don't do that hurt somebody else, right? It's life. If you're going to live in a family, you're going to say, if you're going to be a mom or a dad, if you're going to be a kid as a part of a family, if you're going to be a brother or a sister, chances are somewhere along the way, someone does something or says something that some way hurts your feelings. So if we're going to be around each other for any length of time, the reality of it is is there's going to be times when we hurt each other's feelings. And it would be easy on the one hand, it would be easy when someone hurts our feelings or overlooks us to close our heart and say, I don't need you. I don't need that. But in the body of Christ, what the scripture says is that if someone hurts our feelings, I can't say I don't need you. In the body of Christ, it talks about the gifts or the parts of the body that are like really out there, the ones that everybody sees. They can't say to another part of the body, because you're not in the public eye, I don't need you. What the scripture teaches us is that if you're in a position where people see you, and maybe you're in a prominent position, you can't look around to someone else and say to them, you're not needed because every part of the body is needed because it's God's design some people have overinflated sense of themselves and they look around and say i don't need you and some people say i'm doing all right on my own this can be dangerous to us some of you may say well i don't need this fellowship stuff i don't need other people I was hurt before, I don't need anybody else. Or you may look and say, everyone's fake and I don't need them. But that's not true. Each of us are vitally needed in the body of Christ. You may say, pastor, I don't need you. But according to the scripture, you do. Because I don't want to be funny, but the scripture says that the pastors and teachers and evangelists are gifts to the body of Christ to help them to grow. And you know what? I desperately need you. Not because I'm a pastor. I desperately need others who will help to influence me. There's other parts of the body that complement and that see things that I can't see. and, And without them, I'll never be able to grow to the potential that God has for me without other members of the body of Christ. The scripture says this. The scripture says that God has put the body together, given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Now, here's the principle. There's certain parts that other people may not recognize. There's things that people do, that there's functions in the body that people kind of overlook and they say, oh, that's not really important. But according to scripture, God gives special honor to parts of the body that seem to lack honor. In other words, other people may not recognize it, but God puts an incredibly high value on parts of the body, on individuals, whose function or whose role seems very little. The reason Paul tells us you can't say I don't need you is because if we do, we'll one day eat those words.